Welcome to the Nathan Crane Podcast, your number one source for everything holistic health. Listen to guest interviews with top doctors and health experts and discover cutting-edge solutions for living your healthiest, longest, and most fulfilling life. There's never been a better time to become healthier, happier, and more alive. And now your host, best-selling author, inspirational speaker, and cancer health researcher and educator, Nathan Crane. Welcome, everybody. I'm super excited for this episode. Dr. Christine Schaffner, welcome. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always so fun to connect. So remind me again, how long have you had a physical clinical practice? I've been practicing in person for 13 years. So, um, and in this configuration, uh, my clinic is called Eminence Health. Eminence actually means the divine within. It's a name that I, I just came to meditation. I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> and then I looked it up um, and it was pretty spot on for the energy I'm trying to cultivate here. But in 2020, I um, came out on my own and I have a practice in Seattle and um, we do a lot of telemedicine as well. So I'm curious, so kind of pre-COVID, right? So um, what were like, what, what were the uh, majority of conditions that you saw coming into your practice? Yeah, I know. Isn't it funny to think about pre-COVID? Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's kind of like pre-COVID, post-COVID, like, I know. and people, people, people don't think we're post-COVID yet either. And there's more COVID, COVID just keeps going on forever, so... It's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy I know, time I know. that we live in, but 2019, the golden years, but you know, it, it's interesting <laughs> before COVID, you know, we were worried, you know, we were kind of, you know, we knew a lot was going on, you know, when people were sick, yeah. you know, you know it, it's just, we, we've seen everything, you know, I don't treat cancer per se, but patients do come and they end up having cancer and I have a team that I refer to and we, you know, co-manage and everything. But, you know, I, I'm really kind of that doctor that sees people who've gone to like 54 doctors. One patient had 54 doctors. I was, was so, wow. you know, just honored and amazed. That's wow. what people go through. But usually if a dozen, you know, people go to a dozen doctors and then kind of find their way to us. And, um, because so they don't, they're not finding the root cause of what's going on. So they're just digging yeah. deeper and deeper and end up finding you guys, which for people who don't know, you're a naturopathic doctor, but you yeah. focus on whole, whole body, mind, emotion, spiritual health. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we look at all the layers, not only physical, but you know, like those bucket diagnoses is people will come in. Oh, I have fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue. Maybe this is MS. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of things and I feel like I'm dying all the time and I go to the ER and nothing's wrong or my labs are like everyone, you know, I go to the Mayo Clinic and everyone says I'm normal and maybe gives me Prozac, you know, like all those kind of um, where these illnesses haven't had the proper language, you know, or framework or infrastructure to really understand and they definitely fall through the cracks when you are trying to like pigeon them, hold them in a conventional model. Many people, you know, they might be like open-minded kind of, but they become more and more open-minded and they seek, you know, a naturopathic doctor who's going to do all these other things because, I mean, obviously we all 
desire to live vibrantly healthy lives, right? And to be in connection with our purpose. And when you're out of life, because you can't even get through your day, like, you know, you, you don't stop searching. Yeah, exactly. So, um, how did you see a, a big shift in conditions and health status pre COVID versus COVID versus kind of what we might call post COVID now? You know, it's interesting. Um, I feel like I've been wildly well equipped for the condition called post COVID because what we've been really treating for, you know, again, I'm only doing this 13 years, but I stand on, you know, pioneers and giants who've been ahead of the curve for, you know, really, I would say 60s, 70s, you know, 1960s and 70s were, you know, these really chronic conditions really started to emerge more and more and then skyrocketed really um, in the 90s, you know, and um, so I'm, I'm standing on the, you know, um, all these people trying to figure things out and, um, you know, really developing these models of, you know, post-infectious or persistent infectious syndromes. And that's where they're not, you know, we don't have the language and conventional medical um, terminology to, you know, to label and diagnose and treat. And so, you know, post-COVID is very familiar. You know, you get an infection, it really unmasks everything that you didn't know was there. And, you know, you have to, you know, kind of, um, you know, kind of re put your body back and hopefully transform in the process. So, so I, it, it's a weird, you know, I, I have like, what I see is we've been ready for COVID, you know, we've been ready for what this post COVID issue is, you know, we have already been dealing with that framework, that understanding that treatment approach. That's very much what I've been doing. Uh, the acute COVID, we did get really great results, and I empowered a lot of my patients with a lot of the things that were controversial at the time, but are coming out to be quite helpful, you know, and, um, you know, hopefully recognized by some. So I, you know, was a resource for my patients at that time. But there are, you know, my patients tend to be the canaries, you know, Nathan. And I mean, I talked to somebody yesterday who had COVID five times you know, like every variant getting like whacked, you know, um, and, you know, she's on top of having like mold illness and chronic Lyme disease and, you know, these things she, you know, COVID comes around and it's this whole one, one, you know, infection that we can label meets other infections we could probably put a label on and what happens to the body. I mean, that's, that's a lot of what, um, what my work is so it's just been interesting and you know it's forced me to just stay on the edge and keep learning and my patients teach me i mean they teach me really quickly what works and what doesn't you yeah know? yeah so. well and so i mean you're speaking to the fact that um at least what i what i hear you saying is you know you've been helping people dealing with you know, chronic underlying health conditions all this time. And, you know, those chronic underlying health conditions are generally all like, I see them all branches from the same tree, right? Where, you know, there's metabolic dysfunction. Generally there's overweight or obesity. Generally there is, um, you know, a very poor diet, stress, 
um, you know, uh, heavy metals in the blood, toxins, chemicals, you know, in decades of this, right? Decades of this in people's lives and how it manifests in the physiology is cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and all these other kinds of, you know, hundred plus autoimmune diseases you were just referencing a minute ago, whether it's, you know, hypothyroidism or, or, you know, even uh, gut health issues or chronic fatigue or Lyme disease or all these things that people are, all kinds of different diseases people are experiencing today that are really, you know, metabolically related. Um, diseases that are, that, that impact the body due to underlying conditions that allow those diseases to manifest. A weakened immune system, you know, a, a poor drainage of lymphatic system. Uh, you know, if we get into energy medicine discussion, blocked energy channels within the body, which is really fascinating uh, to dive into. And I'd like to talk about that with you as well. And it takes you deeper into biological medicine and biological energetics and so forth. But, you know, they, they show up in people in different ways and often in three or four or five different chronic health conditions which is what we saw with COVID, right? The highest percentage of people who were hospitalized and the highest percentage of people who died, who unfortunately died from COVID, um, had two, three, even four chronic or comorbidities is how they label them, right? Chronic health conditions. And if you had one or less, your risk, uh, I believe, according to the CDC, your risk of even being hospitalized with COVID if you had, I think, less than one comorbidity or you weren't obese, it was less than 13%, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And if you had one to four comorbidities, that percentage went up massively and still goes up massively to, you know, 70%, 80%, 90%. Um, so is that what you're talking about when you're saying you're, you feel like you've been well prepared for COVID yeah. because you've been addressing these underlying conditions that people have been experiencing for decades? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a really good summary, but, you know, I'm ultimately, um, you know, I've studied naturopathic medicine and also bioregulatory medicine and we're terrain people, you know, we're not about, um, you know, we're about, it, it's a very empowering viewpoint of the body, right? And even Louis Pasteur, the father of germ theory, is said to say on his deathbed, right, the terrain is everything, meaning that it's not about the infection that one encounters or the rather the microbe one encounters. It's the microbe interaction with the environment of the host that, you know, determines whether there is, you know, pathology or, you know, people, you know, respond, adapt and you know, build resilience, you know, so, um, and that, you know, I, I, I still very much, you know, my patients have taught me that terrain theory is, you know, something to hang your hat on. And, you know, again, it is an empowering way to look at, you know, our lives, you know, there's so much data we can kind of turn in into and nerd out on, um, or tune into and nerd out on, you know, but we have this, you know, epigenetic expression that we're totally in control of at the end of the day between our environment that we continue to cultivate and our emotional health that we tend to, you know, um, you know, deal with and our um, trauma and, you know, all of that. And then, you know, as you mentioned, nutrition, and it's very hard to be healthy in America, you know, you just have to kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm a little jaded and biased, but 
you know, we're just chronically being poisoned. Right. And even yeah. if you, you have to be fully committed, um, yeah. Fully yeah, committed. But even if you do everything right, like look at what just happened in the last week and the trains, you know, like Ohio, all that polyvinyl chloride just leaked out. And, you know, that's going to have consequences for generations, you know, um, and, you know, it, it's shocking to me that we're not, <laughs> you know, we're not all, you know, trying to help or use all of our tools or trying to bring awareness to this. So it, that's, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not a pessimist. I'm, I'm very much an optimist, but I just, I want people to just understand the, the weight that we're up against. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, what's shocking to me about the, the train spill and the chemicals and the, they, they say, oh yeah, let's just burn them. It'll be fine. There's no problem with that. Right. And let's just, let's just burn all this toxic um, chemicals and, and, and everybody will be fine. What's shocking to me is how many people still believe the health regulatory agencies and the local governments that say, oh, yeah, you'll be fine. Go back to your homes. You don't need to evacuate. Like, I get it. We want to trust our government. We want to trust the people that are in power. We want to trust that they have our best interests in mind. We want to trust that the health agencies care about us. But at the end of the day, what I've come to see in my own life is that they you know, it's, it's all about the bottom dollar for them. And it's about getting reelected. And it's about, you know, uh, cleaning things up quickly, and really taking care of their donors versus their constituents. And, mm -hmm. you know, if and so that always gets in the way of asking really simple questions like, hey, should we actually burn it? What happens if we burn this? What's going to happen over the next week, two weeks? year 10 years right what are the consequences of us burning us they don't really ask those questions or what's the consequences to the people who live within five miles or 10 miles ah they'll be fine they don't need to know they don't need to worry and then you see reports of people's animals that are a mile away the next morning all their animals are dead just from the burning right and they're like my my here's the video camera on my house showing my animal's healthy and alive that night. They started burning. The next day, they're all dead, laying there. They haven't been attacked by anything. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, the, and the agencies are telling people, stay in your home. You're fine. You don't need to evacuate. You can if you want to, but you don't need to. It's like, one, it, it sucks because we're supposed to be able to trust these people in power. But two, at the end of the day, you really can't, can you? I mean, I can't. Yeah, I've, I've definitely questioned more and more. And um, I, you know, I, I love our country. I think there's so many amazing uh, people and qualities and, you know, even going through COVID and all of us having very like-minded ideas, um, you know, who are listening to this and you and I uh, around what should have happened or could have happened or what didn't happen. You know, we still are like in one of the most, you know, freely expressive, you know, countries, right? You know, uh, you know, you kind of saw our, our kind of, you know, neighbors dealing with this very differently, you know? Um, and so I, I just want to, from that perspective, but I agree, like capitalism, we're at this kind of era of capitalism you know, where everyone's kind of lobbied and bought off and cover your butt and 
who doesn't want to get sued and, you know, just not thinking like generationally, not thinking like beyond maybe they're, maybe these people who are making these decisions are looking at their family's wealth, but not looking at, you know, generational wealth or wealth and health, you know, for the larger, you know, group of people, because this is, I mean, these decisions that we're making, like the ones that you just shared, I mean, that's, that literally is going to affect generations of, of individuals health. Right. If it's and if it's, you know, nobody wants to pay that bill, like, let's just be honest. That's, that's really, it's human nature, you know, like those people were like, maybe burn it and people will forget. And then, you know, we won't have a huge lawsuit to pay for the medical bills for, you know, all these people or the relocation, you know, for all these people, but everybody there should move. I mean, they, they need to move. Right. Right. Which is like impossible for most people in that situation. They don't have the money, the job, the, you know, it's like, there's so many, I don't want to say impossible. Everything's possible, but very, very, very challenging, right? Just for most people just to get up and move out. Maybe they've been there for generations. Maybe they've been there for, for decades. And then, you know, that happens like, yeah, you should move out of there because the health, long-term health consequences are probably going to be pretty severe, but you know, is that a realistic solution for most people who live there? And the answer is probably not. So it's a really sad situation. And what's even more crazy is how, you know, these companies are hauling these kinds of chemicals cross country on ships and boats and trains and planes and how, you know, all the different ways that, that chemicals get distributed from one place to the next. And they don't have a plan in place, a clear, safe plan in place. It goes, Hey, what if this train tips over and these chemicals spill all over the place? What do we do? Right. Unless their plan was, well, if they spill, we just burn them. Like, what a stupid plan that was, um, if that was their plan. But I don't think that was their plan. I don't think they probably ever really thought through that. No. And, you know, that that's kind of you know, going back to the train idea, right? And, you know, why I think, you know, people are so sick today, you know, the um, bioaccumulation uh, of toxicants over, you know, a lifetime. And really none of us are starting at zero. As we know, there's a huge uh, maternal fetal transfer of toxicants, you know, from birth, right? And then, you know, you just, you know, we, we live these beautiful lives, but we have to be really aware and go against the grain to not be poisoned. And even, even with that, we still, you know, are just on planet earth and we have to just, you know, understand that and, and not to jump like hugely ahead, but I really have been studying like the power of, you know, meditation and, you know, intention and group healing and uh, biophysics. And I think the answers are going to lie there for these times because, um, you know, not uh, I, I've been studying Joe Dispenza's work and going to his meditations, and he says something really fascinating um, that I just have sat with ever since I heard it, um, and I think it's appropriate for here. He says to change matter with matter takes time, but when you change the field, you can change matter. Yeah. And I think we have to really lean into what the heck that means and really study like how we're wired in that way to overcome, you know, what we're up against because. I mean, I really, I know how to detox people and I, I, I do a really good job of that. And I, I share, um, 
you know, detoxification is a lifestyle and it's not a marathon. It's or not a sprint. It's definitely a marathon and we're getting better and better tools, but it's, it's shocking, you know, like it's just shocking what the human body, um, let me just say, let me reverse that. It's inspiring and amazing how resilient <laughs> the human body is right. in the face of, you know, just, you know, these, um, these, the synergistic toxic soup, we don't even know the half of how it affects us yet. Hey, I just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you're enjoying it so far. As a special thank you for tuning in to this episode, I want to give you my number one Amazon best-selling book absolutely free. You can go download it right now at becomingcancerfree.com. If you want to learn evidence-based strategies for helping your body become a cancer-fighting machine for not only cancer reversal but cancer prevention, go grab a copy of the book. Again, I'm just giving it to you for free. You can go download it at becomingcancerfree.com. Com. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, that's it is mm-hmm. amazing what the human body can can withstand. I mean, think about decades of smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol and taking poisons in, and and some people live that way and never even get cancer, oh. and some people smoke and drink and eat poorly for five or ten years and stage four metastasis to the liver and to the bones, yeah. and it's like and they're gone at forty five years old, right? So, it's it is very interesting. Um, and when you really start to, it's, it's amazing at how resilient the body is. I got to experience it firsthand, you know, uh, as a teenager, poisoning my body every single day with drugs and alcohol and cigarettes and stress and no sleep and um, pharmaceuticals and, and antibiotics and you name it, you know, fast food to the point where at 18, I was almost dead. But just the fact that my body made it through that from basically starting as early as age nine, I was smoking cigarettes and experimenting and by age 12, drinking hard alcohol and doing hard drugs by 15 and, you know, and and by 18, like just the fact that I made it to 18 um, was a miracle. And when I decided to change my life and started meditating and exercising and eating healthier and you know, green vegetable juicing and cleansing and changing my diet and all these things. It was also amazing at how quick the body can repair itself. Of course, I was younger, you know, but we see that in 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds as well, right? With the cancer patients that we work with, with a lot of the patients that you work with, um, even 70-year-olds, you know, we've seen complete cancer reversal through diet and lifestyle change and uh, parasympathetic nervous system activation, meditation, qigong, you know, energy medicine, the body is incredible and resilient, even when exposed to so many of these man-made chemicals and toxins. But um, it's not a guarantee for everybody, you know, and that's the problem I see with our younger generation, certainly my generation. I don't, I don't know our age difference, but uh, you, 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 you look my age, but I think you're, I think you're a bit older than me. <laughs> um, um, just because I know you're, you know, how long you've been in practice and been to school and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, but anyway, our, even our generations, but certainly my generation is a, um, waits until the problem exists before wanting to do something about it. 
oh, you mm -hmm. have a cancer diagnosis, oh, you have a diabetes diagnosis, oh, you have, you know, heart disease, you have this. And it's like, oh, now I need to do something about this. Well, in some cases, and I hate to say this, but in some cases, it might be too late, you know, mm -hmm. to, to actually fully reverse that condition. Um, yeah. I believe it's possible for everybody, but not yeah. everybody does it. So that's why I know that it can be too late. And so why wait until the diagnosis when you can start living this way now, which gives you more energy and more vitality and you feel better and you, you know, you think better and you sleep better and you have your life is so much better with less disease and less sickness and less pain because those choices we live now. And that's we say the word prevention, but nobody likes prevention. You know, yeah. that's the problem. Prevention doesn't sell. People don't buy masterclasses on prevention. They don't yeah. buy supplements on prevention. You know, they want uh, biohacking. They want, um, you know, reverse this issue. They want, you know, and so that's kind of like the challenge of the psychology of our culture that I mm -hmm. found. Whereas I think you go to some other cultures and mm -hmm. it's just a way of life all the way down to the, you know, parents, to the children. It's like, we eat this way and live this way because this is the right thing to do, you know, because <laughs> we feel good and it's healthy for us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you have how many kids? How many two. Kids do you have? Two kids, yeah. Yeah, I have a daughter um, as well. And it's just amazing to see, you know, the kids these days, right? You know, and I mean, kids are amazing, right? They're full of love and joy. And yes, they have their moments of being a total kid. Um, but it's <laughs> Is that the, what you're going to say, a total kid or a total, a total ass? A total <laughs> I know, total, like, wow, where did that come from? <laughs> I was a total shit growing up, so, I, so you know, I've got some yeah. karma. I've got some karma coming with my little one. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll write your way, right? Yeah. So, but, you know, um, why I just say that is that, you know, the kids are getting sick really young, right? Yeah. And kids are getting sicker and sicker, and there's more chronic diseases in children. Um, so I just see my little girl's you know, friends, and she has like a vitality to her. And she just, you know, uh, you know, I, I do my best with her, but there's a, you know, a force within her that um, you can see like a sparkle in her eye. And, you know, why I just say that here is like, how do we, how do we raise a new generation of, you know, kids that are really going to be you know, they learn how their bodies really work, that they really, um, you know, they, they still experiment and do their kid thing, but they, you know, they're not so self-destructive. They also, um, ha we have a place in our culture to really, you know, like, like really honor health, you know, and, you know, I think some tradition, like um, European cultures with, you know, the sauna, kind of you know lifestyle and that ritual is probably the 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 easiest way to kind of think of how that gets integrated into health pretty quickly or into lifestyle pretty quickly but i um you know i i just i try to share with my daughter how her body works and you know also um you know she sees me meditate too and you know i'm far from perfect please but you know it's just i with when you brought that up i'm just like the children you know we have to get in you know to the you know to the schools and to the children because the, the trajectory the children are on is um you know their lifespan is going to be lower than ours well my kid well 
my kid's school just sent us an email about a fundraiser and the fundraiser is to buy Chick-fil-A. No. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this is the fundraiser, like buying poison food, like seriously, you know, that that's the problem with, with the, the school system is there is no real health education at the school level. Now there are some special private schools that you can, you know, find that uh, put more focus on health, but the general public school, even we're in a, they're in a charter school, even charter schools, it's like, there's very little focus on real health. And that's, you know, that's a serious concern, um, at least with food, you know, if the, you know, my kids, my kids do, you know, uh, they're very active at school um, with PE every day. So I love that. Um, and, and, you know, we packed our lunches every day. They don't eat the school lunches, but the school lunches are terrible. Uh, yeah. you know, there was a study that was done years ago. I remember yeah. this because, um, uh, when I was researching this for, for diet and for schools, when I was researching organic and I saw the, there was a school that all they did was change the food to organic mm-hmm. and within like such a short time. And so they kept track. All of the absences, the lates, the, you know, late to class, the absences, the sickness, absences from sickness, the, the scores on tests, the, the, it was a, I think it was a middle school. I'm not sure if it was a high school, middle school or high school. So they had, you know, standardized testing. So they looked at all those test numbers and then they did organic and it was something like, I have to go back and find this study. I don't remember the exact length of it, but it was something like six months. It was a pretty short time period. might have been a year, but seemed like a pretty short time period. And literally just all they did changed to organic, and they watched all of the absences significantly reduced, all of the sicknesses significantly reduced, the fights significantly reduced, the amount of depression of kids going into the um, counselor's room reduced, the amount of again, sick days for teachers and kids, and all of their test scores went up across the board. And it's as simple as something of like, hey, let's give these kids some healthy food, you know? A pretty simple thing that we could do. Um, But on your your point of like, how do we take care of kids? I think it's, it's live by example, right? Like you're talking about your daughter sees you meditate. It's the same thing. Every time I take a sauna, I invite my kids in, even if they only come in for a couple minutes. But I talk to them about the benefits of sweating and about, you know, toxins coming out through the sweat and how it helps improve your immune system. And, you know, and then they see me, you know, going from an from a sauna into an ice bath. And what is this? What are you doing? And so I explain it to them when I do it. And, you know, when we're eating, it's like I'm talking to them about why we eat organic and, you know, we don't want chemicals in our body. And so. Um, and they don't see me smoking. They don't see me drinking alcohol. They don't see me eating Chick-fil-A. They don't see me eating fast food. Why? Because I don't do those things. So how can I tell them not to do those things? And then I go do those things, whatever you do, your kids are going to do, um, you know, even if you tell them not to. And so, you know, they're learning, they're growing up in a, in a very healthy environment because that's the environment that we live. My wife and I live to this day. Right. And I think that's, that's where it has to start. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And, um, just to your point too, I, um, you know, do you know, Joel Salatin, um, he has polyphase. He was in the omnivorous dilemma. Um, back yeah, in he's the- big into, um, permaculture, right? Joel said he's got a big farm. Is it that Salatin? Yeah. Regenerative yeah. culture and all of that. And, mm-hmm. 
yeah, we, I got invited to speak at his farm and um, I brought my daughter and it was, it was this beautiful farm and, you know, Virginia, where actually I'm from and your cell phone doesn't even work, not because they're not trying to, you know, just doesn't work, you know, where we're at, right, you know, and so, um, but I just remember seeing how healthy the kid, you know, the young men on the farm, you know, looked and everybody there, like everybody was like so vibrant and so healthy, you know, just living off that land and, you know, being in that environment. So um, just to echo to your point about the food, um, it, it matters, you know, especially when they're that young. Um, and yeah, his, his work is really inspirational. I, I, you'll have to have him on the podcast. And I'm happy to introduce you guys. I'd love that. I'd love to interview him. You know, I have a big passion for regenerative agriculture and permaculture. And I, I really think it's the, I think it's the easiest and most realistic way to accelerate our health and our sovereignty as a nation is to have as many families as possible growing yeah. as much food as possible, even if it means all you have is a garden tower in your backyard that you're planting every season, holds 50 plants, put your compost in there, doesn't take up any space, yeah. uses water very conservatively. But if that's all you had, but being connected to your food, right? But imagine, you know, 50 million families doing that. And then you had maybe you had room for a couple of raised bed gardens in the front and you plant a couple of fruit trees. Like, yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, yeah, one person or one family, that's not much. But when you multiply that across the nation and then families actually start growing more food and more food, one, we get rid of the need and use for all of these chemicals that are literally destroying our health, health of the waterways, health of the, of the, the fish and the animals, health of our bodies, right, that are leading to, to all kinds of uh, mitochondrial damage that lead to cancer. You know, we eliminate the need for that because we are just growing our own food organically. You don't need chemicals. And yeah. you, you reduce the dependency on these giant agrochemical farms uh, anyway, which are not good for the planet, <laughs> are not good for humanity, um, not good for the animals, not good for the soil. And we reconnect back to, to nature. You know, we reconnect to our food source. And it's like, that's such a simple, powerful thing we all could do is just grow a little bit of food. Yeah. I know I, I got back from that. Um, event and I, you know, just live in, and I live in Seattle and it's all neighborhoods here, but, you know, we got raised beds and we started, you know, um, you know, just growing what we could and we have a little apple tree on our, um, you know, property. So yeah, I mean, even in a city environment, you know, you do what you can. I, I love it. And, and, you know, the other point too, you know, just kind of that microcosm, macrocosm reflection about the, you know, our inner soil and the soil of kind of our, um, you know, our farming lands because of all the things that's a whole other conversation, mm -hmm. but I mean, his, how he rotates livestock on his land and how he teaches people to do that. Like it literally regenerates the soil. Yeah. Like, so I, I think I, I agree with you. Like that's the, that's the direction we're, we're going. Right. You know? So I have a question about your, um, kind of about your childhood. I'm curious. Did you, yeah. did you always have a passion for kind of natural health, holistic health? Were your parents really big into natural health or what kind of got you in that direction? Yeah. You know, um, 
a great question. I mean, I, I grew up, my, my dad's an oncologist and my mom is in a nursing and she did like nursing education. So she taught at like universities, um, all about the heart. I helped her write some papers back in the day or just enter the grades rather. <laughs> um, and then she also was, she worked at um, George Washington um, University Hospital. And I remember um, working there one summer and entering the incident reports. And I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> what What happened? Oh my God. You know, my mom was like, yeah. I mean, the people who are in the hospital like would never go to hospital if they were sick, you know? And I just remember being like, you know, just, back in then you know i i'm 42 so this was you know um still not mainstream at all you know there was like the pockets of like complementary and alternative medicine right um, that was what we called it um but yeah I, I mean i was around a lot of you know conventional medicine and my dad you know he thought he was helping me but i was the kid with the earaches and the tonsillitis and i would have the pink bubble gum and the you know, the moxicillin and, you know, I had my tonsils out and, you know, all, all of that. Um, and so I experienced like the opposite, <laughs> you know, of kind of what I'm trying to, you know, cultivate for my daughter. But I mean, it was the best they, you know, they were, you know, they had a different perspective, right? You know, he's a first generation doctor and thinking that these are amazing medicines and wow, you can, you know, overnight, you know, your kid can feel better, you know, it's just a different time. Right. Um, well, but, I don't know if it's a different time. It's still that way right now. I mean, like, I think most conventional doctors think well, we that what they're doing. You know, we know about the mi microbiome. Now it's just a choice to be uneducated. You know what I mean? We know about the microbiome. Yeah, but if you, go to, if you go to conventional, so to challenge that thought a little bit, if you go to conventional medical school, uh -huh. right, and you're like, I want to be a doctor to save lives, and you go to, you know, whether it's oncology, it's surgery, whatever it is, or you want to be a family, you know, practitioner. And that's all that you, when you go now, so I have, um, I've talked to uh, a student who literally what they're being taught right now is natural medicine does not work. It is all quackery. There's no, here's the words they were told. There's no science that supports natural medicine. Don't even pay attention to it. It's a distraction. Yeah. So this is what the young people are being taught in conventional medical school still today, knowing, well, they may not know, some, somebody knows, but the person being taught doesn't realize there's, I know of 80,000 abstracts in peer-reviewed published journals that are based on natural medicine scientific research. And there's probably more than that, right? So 80,000 that I've seen, I haven't read them all, but I've seen them in a directory and I've read hundreds, if not thousands of them. And still today in conventional medical school, students are being taught there's no science that supports natural medicine. Don't even listen to it. It's all quackery. Can you believe that? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's some universities that will have like a small you know, complementary and alternative center or like Cleveland Clinic has the functional medicine, you know, so there's, there, there are these little pockets, but I agree, like, there's a huge, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, the, the brainwashing and the haze, you know, the knowledge that gets in place through, you know, um, physician education, I, th I mean, I think that completely you know, the false monopoly, you know, the false scarcity of seats and, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, it creates this whole power dynamic and, um, you know, 
yeah, I mean, we're not creating healers, we're creating, you know, just arms of the pharmaceutical industry at the end of the day, right, you know, but uh, there are people in the conventional world who that that are frustrated. I mean, can you imagine like going to all that school? I just think about that, like, you know, my patients go to neurologists, you know, I, I have a ton of respect, I had to go through a procedure I'm happy to talk about. So there, there are wins in that community, but could you imagine like going to like a neurologist and like only having like after, I mean, they get, they probably go to school, like how long, 12 years, 16, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Long time. Or drugs that you can prescribe to try to help people. You know what I mean? Like, or like maybe you're thinking outside the box and you have this other, you know, four drugs to use, you know what I mean? It, it would just be, I don't know, soul crushing to me, but, but but yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. I hear the indoctrination. I hear kind of what's happening. I hear the, you know, I mean, that that go, that tale is old as time with the Flexner Report, just trying to have the monopoly on medicine, right? I mean, it's just part of our landscape of America with the, you know, pharmaceutical lobby and so forth. I mean, we, we know this big food, big pharma, you know, all of this is keeping America sick. Um, but I, I hope, I mean, I really hope that COVID was a window too for some of those conventional doctors of uh, being really frustrated and being very, you know, they, they had to be by the bedside of people dying horribly and alone, you know, that that's wildly traumatic, you know, and many people that forces a change, you know, yeah. um, some people just keep going and compartmentalize, but some people, you know, they they want to change so you know so i i mean i grew up around all that right and but i i i always was that you know we had bookstores back then so like <laughs> i'd go to barnes and noble and i would be in the you know the spirituality section and reading all the like hippie books and you know conversations with god and you know like always how, like how old were you I was like in high school or maybe like middle school, high school, you know, just kind of just naturally kind of attracted to a little more of the spiritual side of things. Yeah. I was just gravid. You know, I grew up Catholic. I had conventional, um, you know, medical parents, my parents did get divorced. So that, that was the whole thing. Um, but, um, but I was always kind of, I was good in science and biology. I was thinking about being a doctor, but it didn't sit quite right. Um, and then I learned about naturopathic school. And I learned about Bastier and it, it, I, I was on a journey to get there and to complete that and make sure that was the right route. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I have a very unique uh, lens because I, I grew up conventional. I did all the pre-med stuff. I did it all like, should it be an MD and ND? And then I, you know, really embraced naturopathic medicine and had great mentors and, you know, amazing patients. And I, I really think at the end of the day, the polarity or the polarization that we have in medicine, like, you know, we have to think more like, okay, we have this amazing toolkit and a, there's a patient in front of you and how can we serve them the best, you know, and if we need to use a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, but with a mindset that I'm happy to continue to share of how I, you know, share, like, I'm okay with that, you know. Um, but I think when you get totally like polarized and like, I can only treat my body this way, or I can only treat my body this way. And you, you, you create division within you even, you know what I mean? And I think at the end of the day, we all want to feel whole, you know, integrated and whole. Um, 
So, but, but yeah, we way overuse pharmaceuticals and nobody knows enough about natural medicine. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 in COVID, I was like, just praying, like, wouldn't that be amazing that we had like vitamin C IVs and eight in the hospital? Like we would have saved lives like, yeah. completely, you know? Um, well, and talk about that, right? So I was so really early on in COVID, um, I was consulting with a lot of doctors, naturopaths, uh, integrative medical doctors, you know, holistics and asking them, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts on this? And what's, what do you think is really going on? And how do you, you know, how would you treat this and all of that? And you know, I remember talking with a few doctors and, and one of them gave me a really long report he put together and said, look, if we just gave vitamin C to the patient's who are in the hospital, especially the ones who are being put on uh, ventilators. He said, I think this is what he said. Now, hopefully we don't get censored for this, but I, you know, that's a problem of what we're up against right now. As you even talk about these things, you know, you can get censored and they don't allow this information to get out to the world, but we need to talk about it anyway. Right. But this is what he told me. Yeah. He told me that if you, if he said the ventilators are killing the patients, he said, and here's why. And he gave a really, you know, this was his theory. He said, look, the, these, these patients are on these ventilators. They're not getting vitamin C. Vitamin C is an essential nutrient for rebuilding collagen. The collagen in the, is it the esophagus? The yeah. wherever the, or, or the, that connects to the lungs. Like, yeah. Right. Uh, the basically is breaking down and this is what's leading to the liquid being, you know, entering into the lungs and killing the patient. So they say it's the, you know, it's the liquid entering the lungs and killing the patient. But he's saying, look, if all you did was give them vitamin C because they're not getting vitamin C and you need vitamin C literally, you know, every day. And, and in this case, multiple times a day to rebuild the collagen. And if you're not, you know, and then you've got this issue going on and this ventilator and this, he said, that's what's doing it. He said, that's all it would take. Vitamin C and a couple other nutrients that he, that he mentioned. I have to go back and look at his report that he sent me. But you even mentioned that. I shared that article in, I think, early 2020. And, you know, you get shadow banned, you get threatened on Facebook and all the social media. My YouTube got shut down for six months. Like, oh, wow. just mentioning anything that yeah. could be supportive of healing people. And these are from really well-credentialed doctors with, you know, thousands of clinical hours of experience. Um, yeah. It's just crazy. And the censorship is still, it's, it's a lot better now, but it's still going on, which is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all know anyone who has a practice and treats like when people get acute colds or flus or, you know, um, in acute infections, it's all about early treatment and quick, you know, and uh, usually that's where a lot of natural therapies shine um, because you can dose them high and, you know, dose them quickly um, and people usually respond well, you know, not everyone, you know, everyone's unique, but um, yeah, that was the, that was the hardest thing to watch for me during mm. that time. Yeah. Hey, I just want to pause a second and ask you, are you enjoying this episode so far? Are you getting good value from this content? If so, then I know you're going to absolutely love Healing Life. At healinglife.net, you get exclusive and premier access to hundreds of the top world's doctors, experts, 
cancer conquerors and survivors, exclusive interviews that I have done with all these experts and doctors uh, that are not available for free online. They're only available at healinglife.net. So not only do you get access to all of those, but you actually get to speak with these doctors and experts and ask them any question you want about health and healing. And this is available exclusively to Healing Life members. You can try it out for free. Go to healinglife.net and you can start your free trial there. And uh, whether you're interested in learning more about detox or cancer, diet and nutrition and nutritional science, about diabetes, about heart disease, autoimmune disease, anti-aging, longevity, all of these topics are covered in depth and more are continuing to be added at Healing Life. And again, you get to talk to these doctors yourself. So I invite you to set up a free trial at healinglife.net and I hope to see you over there. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I'm trying to find uh, I'm going to find that uh <laughs> report that he sent me. But um so I mean, if we could if we can save lives with a natural approach, you know, mm-hmm. that is non-toxic mm-hmm. and is effective and is safe and is affordable, right? Most of these nutrients that the body needs are very affordable. Zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, a lot of things that have shown to help boost immune system function and help, you know, increase the 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 healing capacity of the body against viral infections. You know, think about how many people's lives could be could be saved. Yeah. Yeah. I know I was laughing when I mean, it's dark humor, but when we were getting all those people were getting on those checks, you know, from the government, if we could also with that money, <laughs> you know, get their bottles of vitamin D, zinc, vitamin C, quercetin, you know, all the things, right? Um, but that would have been too um, sensical, I guess, right, at the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, though, um, even, I think we're at a really opportune time, Nathan, I think that you know, before COVID, as you asked in the beginning of this conversation, like, you know, there was more and more awareness, you know, but I started out, you had to really still talk about everything that I knew very quietly. And then the awareness was building. And then here we are in COVID and we cannot deny post COVID every is too many people have it. I think 23 million Americans, you'd have to find a stat, but you know, there's way too many you know, again, people who have post-COVID way are you too talking many- about Are you talking about like long COVID or what do you, when you say post-COVID, what do, what do you mean? Long haulers, long COVID, you okay. know, they're, they're, they're sick beyond like two weeks, let's just say. You know, yeah. Usually. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I, and I, and I apologize when I was saying, just to clarify for people tuning in, when I was saying post-COVID earlier in our conversation, I meant like post the two year period where, you know, COVID took over everybody's lives and the world was shut down and all of that. So it kind of meant post COVID, uh, you know, um, apocalyptic kind of, you know, uh, human experience that we had, but to differentiate. So when you're saying post COVID, you're talking about long, like kind of the long haul COVID. Long haulers, the, you know, the, the, still lingering, you know, so, but, you know, my, my point is that, you know, we could have a conversation all day long, right, about acutely and kind of those two to three years, what went wrong and, you know, it was horrendous, right, and horrific, but I feel like um, we're at a really opportune time to maybe, you know, create a, 
I mean, I'm an optimist, right? So my my in my heart, I'm like, this is an opportunity time to really build that new system that has been wanting to be birthed for a long time, you know, and people need it. And we still need our acute care, traumatic, urgent care medical system. You know, I I had neurosurgery myself and I am grateful I had it. But I, you know, that is not what people need every day. The average person, you know, the average person needs, um, you know, health. And if they're sick, they need somebody to look at them and say, you're not crazy. This is totally within the realm of our understanding. It's going to take a multifactorial, multi-systemic approach. We're going to use a combination of tools. You're going to be very much a participant in your journey. You're not going to get spoon fed your health and just hope one day it's going to work out. You are, you know, the hero of this journey that we are in together and we're going to, we're going to learn some things and we're going to do what's right for you. Right. And right now that type of care is completely not affordable for the average person. Right. Mm. Um, it's not insurance, not within the insurance model, which I, I think we need to rethink that anyway. But, you know, most people who are, you know, that's the heartbreaking thing, chronic illness, right? Often people can't work. They've exhausted a lot of resources trying to get the right care. And then when they get it, it takes time to still get better, right? So, um, and I think this new model is even building upon our functional and naturopathic medicine. We're like bridging the emerging, you know, biofield science and, you know, biophysical understanding and quantum biology understanding of how we're wired to heal and integrating the two, you know, so we have like, okay, the acute care, urgent care, surgical when really needed method. And then we have the, you know, day in and day out, the bridge of, you know, the best of you know, what we need on a physical as well as activating this beautiful um, energetic system that really runs the ship. It's not a, <laughs> it's not an afterthought. It's actually the, you know, the source code, but you know, that's, um, you know, well, we still need a lot uh, more eyes on this and it's still a lot more research and a lot more, um, you know, people looking at the body this way so we can continue to study and, and share what we are learning. So you've, you've done a lot of work around, you know, the, the energetic systems of the body and, you know, what's fascinating is how you can look back thousands of years ago, um, even to even 7,000 plus some say 30,000. I don't know if there's documentation that supports that, but I know all the way back to the yellow emperor of China, um, which I believe is 5,000 years ago. Uh, where the energetic systems of the body were highly understood and a major part of health protocols, which mm -hmm. led to things like acupuncture, acupressure, qigong, energy medicine practices, which now today our modern science is testing these things and confirming, in fact, what our ancient ancestors knew thousands of years ago that the body is this incredible dynamic complex system of, of energy and everything is um, connected through energy. And by using something like an acupuncture needle, you know, just 
pressing into a meridian, for example, can free up stuck energy and lead to tremendous healing in the body or practicing Qigong, which is intentional visualization, often sound and movement practice that moves the energy through the body and miracles happen. I've seen miracles firsthand happen uh, in people's lives. And I've, do I've actually done documentaries about them on a form of called Wisdom Healing Qigong. Put them on YouTube. People can go watch them of people healing all kinds of chronic health conditions by connecting to and activating that um, the the inner energy systems of of the human, right? And so, what's really cool is now, like I said, the science is kind of catching up to what our ancestors have known for thousands of years, mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's, it's being called different things and has different names and, and all of that. But as you said, it's not, it can't be an afterthought anymore. It has to be the first thing that we focus on every, you know, as part of our health protocols. It's the first thing I do every morning, in fact, is a Qigong practice because I know how important it is. So can you talk a little bit about that and where you come from when it, when you're yeah. working with patients in terms of, you know, energy medicine, energy healing and so forth? Yeah, I love that. And I agree. You know, it's like, it's a renaissance of these ancient principles, but for modern times, right? Um, and, you know, we're um, about to be up against Tenji, right? You know, I don't know if they, you know, 5,000 years ago, they were destroying themselves with that. But, but anyway, you know, right, uh, wait, 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 is that, let's hang on a second. So they went 3G, 4G, 5G, and all of a sudden you see ads for 10G. Where did, what happened between 6 and 7, 8, 9? And who said any of us want 10G, and what is that going to do to our health anyway, right? It's like, what, what is going on here? I know, I know. I hope that's just a bad dream right now. And there's a, you know, there's going to be plenty of, hopefully, um, people sounding the alarm. Um, but it's it's a time now more than ever, we need to understand how we're wired and why something like 5G would disturb our electrical and bioelectromagnetic, you know, system, you know, why, you know, why we need to care, right? So, you know, how I, how I look at the body, you know, I really love kind of the modern terminology is the biofield, right? It's the field of information and energy that surrounds us. Um, it is uh, subtle in energy, and it's also um, electromagnetic. It's also uh, photonic, um, and um, you know, I, I think there's an element of vibratory sound, you know, as well um, to this information field. Um, my friend I, and colleague Eileen McCusick talks about its plasma in nature. So the, um, you know, we have uh, plasma and ether when we think about the electric universe. So this is a whole idea of um, space is not an empty vacuum, but it's a highly electric charged field of information and energy that connects all of us. Um, we're connected even across, you know, the continent here in this conversation, not just by Zoom, but by this field and my belief system and understanding of it. Um, it's uh, it's a really amazing way to look at life, right? Um, I, I do have a spiritual lens and a spiritual way that I look at life, but even if you have whatever, you know, lens you look at, there there is this... Um, idea within this quantum field that anything is possible, that it is full of unlimited potential, right? 
And so kind of how, you know, I, I've been noodling on this for years. And so what I landed on about, I think last year is I'm calling it the quantum terrain, right? And so instead of just the terrain of bioregulatory medicine, which I totally am a fan of and has totally guided me in my approach, um, we're kind of going from the micro to the macro. So um, I'll just start, like I shared that we're, you know, connected in this sea of information of energy where these biofields sitting in this field of ether, right? And within this, you know, field, you know, it's bi-directional. So a lot of us think of it as, um, you know, just an emanation, like, oh, I have a, my, and we know our heart is electromagnetic and we can measure the field of the heart, you know, six feet around us. Um, and just, oh, that's cool, <laughs> you know, but, you know, so we're thinking of it in that way, but there's also a thought that uh, the field that's generated is actually informing and, um, you know, it, it's informing the brain and informing our uh, biochemistry and, you know, there are so many more field interactions before their biochemical reactions. So, um, so this idea of the quantum terrain is, you know, really from the DNA to the ether where this, you know, through line of connection and access and, you know, why does that matter is that we can connect to this field for healing, right, for healing, for um, solace, for uh, purpose, for, um, you know, just loving another person, <laughs> you know, so um, for intending for another, um, for healing another person. And, you know, when we look at it, um, James Oshman, Dr. James Oshman and uh, Dr. Jean-Claude uh, Jean Gumberto have gone within the body and they have the very similar definition. Uh, James calls it the living matrix. And then uh, Dr. Gumberto is just saying it's the fascia, right? And the fascia is this beautiful fabric that's within us. It's really where the meridian system lies, right? And fascia is not only this structural, um, you know, landscape that makes us who we are in a structural lever, level, but it is a communication network. It's our own fiber optic system, you know, within us. It's a conductor, right, of uh, electricity and light and sound. And when we get sick, there's, you know, there's damage, right? There's, you know, maybe a scar, you know, from, a, um, you know, a surgery or a, uh, injury that now becomes a traffic jam in that fascial communication network, or there is a, you know, a stored emotion from a traumatic event that you don't have a conscious memory of, but you have a body memory of, right, that, that's in that fascial fabric. Or, you know, we're all full of glyphosate now and, you know, aluminum and, you know, mercury and Lyme and co-infections and now COVID and, you know, spike protein and, you know, all of it, right? That whole soup, you know, affects the fascia, right? So we can get down and out when we just think about the physical kind of unwinding of, okay, I know how to through charge principles and detoxification principles and through the lymphatics to carry that out of the body. But if we can strengthen our field and strengthen that communication system, no matter what we're up against, um, that I think is where health and healing is. And that's why you put an acupuncture needle in a area of stagnation in the fascial system you open up that communication network and the body's happy you know health is complicated 
And, you know, the things that walk in my door are really complex and I'm not going to lie, but there's simplicity and elegance as well. And, you know, as you, you said too, health is, you know, the flow of energy, right? And where there's obstacles or obstructions, you know, it's our job to facilitate the safe removal of that. So the body can just do what it knows way better than I know how to do. Um, that's, you know, so. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, you remind, as you were talking about, you know, we're all connected by this electrical energy and, you know, we're just as we're talking here on Zoom, take, take this away and we can still be connected uh, mm -hmm. through our thoughts and through energy. And for anyone who doubts that still to this day, you may have heard or maybe not have heard uh, that the CIA has been uh, researching this and using this, these methods of, of remote viewing and telepathy and telekinesis, studying this and researching this, um, mostly for espionage and for, you know, war and, and you know, really negative, uh, let's say, uh, I would say... Um, yeah, well, let's just let, – they're using it for their purposes. But they've been studying this for over 50 years in the 70s. Um, they released the, all of the confidential reports on this back in 2000. And what's really fascinating – I'll actually you – can, you can find this report yourself, anyone who wants to. Um, but I'll share it for anyone who's watching this. But this is from CIA.gov. It's from the uh, records of the CIA. And it's really fascinating. I remember hearing about this years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. It was called Project Stargate. And they were researching remote viewing. Uh, some of the things they said, remote viewing, meaning I can sit here in a meditative state, close my eyes, and somewhere else in the world or in another room or in another state or country, um, somebody is holding up something or holding a sign or wearing a shirt or whatever, and then I'm asked you know, what is that person wearing? What do they look like? What's in their hands? All of that. And I can tell them, right? Mm -hmm. And so they have been researching this and studying this and realizing that this is a learnable skill for human beings that we can use remote viewing, which is, and I'll share some interesting case studies of that, of how it can apply to health and healing, which I think is really cool. They use it more for, you know, war and espionage and things like that, but I think it can be used for much better purposes. Uh, some of the things the CIA say about it, it is passive, it is inexpensive, and there is no known defense. They say time, distance, target, size, or degree of difficulty all have no apparent effect on collection by remote viewing. Again, this is, you know, they were studying this heavily in the 70s. Um, and some of the other things that they were studying is psychoenergetics, the mm -hmm. mental process by which an individual perceives, communicates with, or perturbs characteristics of a designated target person or event remote psychokinesis uh mental powers that cannot be explained by known physical means this is this was again from the 70s i think we can start to understand how these things work even more clearly today our science is really catching up esp and telepathy perceptions they say again cannot be explained by known sensory means but they're able to um able to actually use telepathy and ESP, reading somebody else's thoughts, right? So what am I thinking right now? What word am I thinking? And someone connects to their thoughts and goes, you're thinking this, and, and they would get it accurate. And they go, how the heck do you do that? They couldn't figure out how. But we know 
now, as you just said, we are all connected by energy. Our thoughts are connected. Our emotions can be connected. Our hearts and all of this can actually be measured today. These are measurable, scientifically measurable things, which I think is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, you know, remote viewing, all of that. And so this is a really interesting report. I encourage people to go. You can just go Google it, CIA remote viewing, um, and you can go find the report on the CIA's website. But they teach you how to do it. The basic components of remote viewing include the ability to physically relax, the ability to reduce level of physical arousal, training about feedback techniques, self-control exercises, the ability to increase awareness of internal feelings, training in dream recall, guided visual imagery exercises, etc. The ability to engage in receptive right mode, right hemispheric functioning, um, synchronization of uh, hemispheric and mode recognition and drawing classes, the ability to achieve an altered view of reality, reading assignments, intellectual study, meditation. Basically, it's the things that we know of how to, you know, calm ourselves down and get into a really clear state. And then this is where we gain wisdom from or insights or intuition. At least I do in my own life, right? I quiet my mind, get to a meditative state, and if I'm trying to solve a big problem. I get to that really quiet place, and then I start asking questions, and very often thoughts pop in, right? And it's like, oh. Oh, I didn't think of that before. Oh, that could work, right? Or a vision or a sound or something, a smell. I'm just going to go to the end of this report really quick because uh, I want to read this and then, and then I want to hear your thoughts. But here's what they said. Many intriguing and scientifically unexplainable results have been achieved under controlled experimental conditions as well as spontaneous field situations. As with any potential advance in technology or technique, remote viewing needs to be sufficiently field tested Intelligence agencies are encouraged not to ignore this potential resource, but rather place it among their arsenal of operational tools. Remote viewers can be used as collectors in conjunction with other intelligence sources throughout the DOD, Department of Defense and Intelligence Community, because our service is to be of quote unquote help, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. Once this understanding can occur, perhaps then can the role of the remote viewer be, remote viewer be more clearly defined. But again, you know, it's like our own government has been studying and researching this hands-on for over 50 years, yeah. and yet today it's still, you know, uh, promoted as some kind of quackery. Yeah, yeah, I, I hadn't seen that report. You, you wonder, like, back in the day, who's typing all of that right on the typewriter? <laughs> I, um, you know, I mean, our government knows a lot. I mean, a lot of our healing kind of um, uh, tools have come out of like uh, studying space. You know, NASA's done a lot with photobiomodulation and, you know, this regenerative healing capacity in the body. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, yeah, it's interesting, right? You know, there there is a knowledge and a knowing um, within the system that we know of things doesn't, um, want to go there. Right. Um, and I think in light of that, we still have to keep proceeding with this truth. Right. And I think people, people are ready, Nathan. I think that we're getting to tipping point almost, I would say, maybe I'm wrong, but of people really being more open to everything we've just shared. I, I think with the advent of like a 5G and a 10G and a Wi-Fi and a cell phone, people, people are more like, okay, well, you know, we can understand that, you know, invisible fields of energy, um, we interact with them to communicate every day, you know, um, and so how could that be a far cry 
from, you know, our learning about, you know, the cells, right? And the cells um, emitting biophotons and having their own, you know, electrical um, magnetic fields that surround them and um, even emitting sound. And, you know, like the, this is the, this is the way that um, we're really communicating <laughs> at the end of the day. And, and we know, you know, like just go to a sound bath or listen to relaxing music and you can see how your whole body and mind and spirit changes, right? You know, um, and quickly, right? It's, 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 you know, what I, why I'm fascinated with these tools and why I am excited about, you know, bringing them. And I mean, I can go through what's in my office and what I do, but um, it is that attempt to help accelerate the patient's healing trajectory, right? Because th this is the realm of spontaneous healing and people um, healing quite quickly and the realm of the mir miraculous, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's, it's interesting yeah. that we have to use the term or that our conventional medical term is spontaneous healing, right? That was a spontaneous healing. It just happened all by itself automatically. And, and you know, through your yeah. work that mm -hmm. it's not something that just happened all by itself automatically. You, you helped the, you, you helped regulate the terrain and the environment in the body to get into a state where it can do that incredible healing, which seems spontaneous sometimes because it happens so quick, right? Yeah. So yeah, talk a little bit about that. What is kind of like your first approach with patients um, and, and what are some of the tools that you use? Totally. I, I um, We have like an acronym in the office of kind of how we approach patient care and it's um, EECO or ECO. So environment and terrain, energy system support, clearing the blocks and optimizing flow. So it's not like a linear um, trajectory. It's just kind of sharing like, okay, what are we doing? Um, so, you know, I do all my normal doctor stuff, right? So I do my clinical history. I do a lot of lab work and then, um, I run people through two bioenergetic scans. So there are different technologies that are working through pr uh, principles of, um, you know, these field interactions in the body. And, um, there's also a concept called resonant frequencies, um, that every, uh, tissue and organ and system in the body and everything that could disrupt it has a frequency signature. Um, and we can decide there are technologies that can uh, read whether that is within the kind of optimal kind of like in the body is the the body in an optimal resonant frequency or is it out, out of balance so um, it can scan and detect that and then it can detect if there are any frequency signatures of disturbances that might be impacting the body so um, bioenergetics can be quite interesting to just again give us more and more clues of why the body is not in a state um, of health or is having a hard time healing uh, and then um, I use another scan, um, you know, so the first one was the AO scan, and then the other is a NESS, um, and uh, that's Harry Massey's company, and it, it's reading really the body field or the bio field, and it's looking at um, energy systems and seeing where there might be disturbances and kind of more of the control field systems. And then it's, it's cool. It has some um, ways to look at uh you know the unconscious emotional aspects like what could be stored or unresolved traumas or emotions 
um, in the body. So that's quite insightful. His whole system has vibrational remedies that you can target to help balance the body or like a handheld device that adds energy in the body. So that that's just kind of like a you know, like, okay, survey, like priming me, like, cause I'm the computer at the end of the day of trying to figure out what's wrong, right? So we do the, you know, all the doctor stuff and then we do the bioenergetic scans and then I've been trained in muscle testing. So um, that's, um, you know, kind of out of Dr. Goodhart's uh, work originally, he was the original chiropractor who really found um, that the body can um, really communicate with changes in muscle strength. And it, it's a great tool. It, it, it does help me a lot. So then that helps me to hone in and communicate with the body, you know, where to start. You know, there's a prioritization that um, is the, you know, really why people come to see me because my patients are so educated. They're like really amazingly um, brilliant and they become their own honorary PhDs through this experience, right? Um, and and so that prioritization be emerges as the body tells me, oh, like that root canal tooth is really poisoning you, or um, let's work and really like clear, you know, this, um, you know, liver and biliary system, it's completely congested, or oh my gosh, did you know that you're in a moldy home, or, um, you know, did you know that, you know, that trauma that you had, you know, 10 years ago is still, you know, in the scar and let's release that or now, do, you, do you do you can you tell all this by uh, by the muscle testing and by the frequency measuring of organs and so forth? Or is yeah. this a combination of, you know, they've listed these things out in your questionnaire and your patient intake, and then you're doing the testing and then you're connecting the two? Or how yeah. does that work? Totally integrating, you know, like, as I mentioned, like, I'm, I'm the computer at the end of the day. So I'm, I'm still acknowledging and using all that clinical data, you know, um, I'm always giving that option. And I have a resident, I, I try to train a few residency or one or two residents a year. And, um, you know, she was laughing, she got the labs back. And she's like, I think you already told her this though. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that that's, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so, um, no, so it's, it's, it's awesome though, because the reason I'm asking is because people are often very skeptical about things that they're not, you know, familiar with. And so, and skepticism, you know, there's a healthy level of skepticism, right? Ask oh. questions of your doctor, natural or conventional and, and back it up with, you know, data and additional testing if, if you really want the confirmation, but it's just really cool to hear you say that, yeah, you, you're identifying these kinds of things through bioenergetic testing and muscle testing. And then when the patient wants to do a, you know, blood test or urine or, or stool, whatever it is, that it's just confirming what you've already identified without having to use those tests. So, yeah. yeah. And I'm not perfect. So there's always things that we can, of course, always learn, but I, um, but yeah, I, I definitely, it's a fun validation and confirmation that we're on the right track. Right. And, yeah. and you know, sometimes people, you know, they've been through so much and I give them, okay, these are the labs to do after this. And they're sick of spending money in labs and they just want to get better. And they just, there's enough confirmation within their own system and what the work that we're doing together that they just want to go for it. And, and we do that and, and they get momentum. Can I ask you a question about the frequency testing of like organs and things like that? I'm curious about that. I haven't done any research on it. Uh, I've heard about it a few times. Yeah, how, do you know how they 
and mm-hmm. who and how they determined what is a healthy frequency of yeah. you know, each organ that it's emitting is it i mean yeah it's always my question too nathan um but there there's like a lot of research in eastern europe around this and i think just like our government has done you know remote viewing um especially like in um russian and um you know, this is Russian-based technology. There, there is a lot of work that was done to find these things out. I'm not. Oh, you just said Russian-based technology. You just triggered like a million oh. people. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna leave that in. We're definitely not editing that out. <laughs> I'm not anything other than I, you know, um, this was before the war. Um, <laughs> no, the Russian, you got to give Russians credit, man. They're for some things, they're incredibly brilliant. Like that, just a lot of, give the, credit where credit's due. Side, and you know, there, you know, there was always kind of, you know, you'd go over to Europe. You know, I'd go to these um, medical conferences in Germany over the years. There's this really cool conference um, called Medicine Week in Bottom Bottom. Uh, Germany and they have hot springs there and it's really beautiful mm. uh, and, you know Europe is totally cool with a lot of these technologies and tools uh, they're not as cool with supplements you know they're way more restricted with supplements than the U.S. is but they are they don't have all these restrictions of getting a uh, a bioresonance device or a bio um, energetic device on the market as as much and so they're um, people go to this conference to see all these different tools and technologies. And so the technology that I'm sharing, the AO scan is just a compilation of a lot of uh, going through different systems and combining things and seeing what what's the best and most accurate. Um, the, I, I interviewed a woman, Dr. Shadhari, um, and she she's really cool. Her name's Kulreet Shadhari, and her book is called Sound Medicine. She's a neurologist, but she um, is connected to her roots in India, and she has the ability to study ancient Vedic texts. There are sound maps, so resonance of, you know, in hertz of sound for each bone and each part of the body. So this was even done, I think, back then, like knowing what what is healthy and what is imbalanced you know back in the day <laughs> you know so i know there was a map back then but yeah i mean there there's a lot of technology and like even frequency specific microcurrent or different you know frequency specific uh technologies that are quite efficacious and work very well and i have that question all the time like where the heck do these frequencies come from? Like, how do we know this? And I would, if I had a hundred million dollar budget, that would be something I would want to go back and confirm or, you know, go back and study or, you know, or learn new things like with, um, you know, okay, what's the new resonant, you know, signature of, you know, post COVID or long COVID and what's happening, you know? So, um, so yeah, but good question. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I've done quite a bit of research on um, PEMF therapy, right? Pulse electromagnetic frequency therapy. And there's a ton of data and a ton of research on that and its ability to help help basically regulate the body's own energy systems to activate healing and reduce chronic inflammation and help fight against cancer and all kinds of amazing things. And Dr. William Pollock, I'm sure you know him. He's, he's, um, 
he's in our holistic leadership council and he's done research on this for many, many years. And, you know, these kinds of things are like, they're not new. They're, they've been around for a long time. It's just people don't realize they exist and they are so, and, and, and I think part of the problem is people want the magic pill. So they take it and they feel better immediately. You know, it's like that, I eat the sugar and I feel great right away. Even though you feel terrible in two hours, you kind of forget that that came from that sugar. So you eat the sugar because you feel great in the moment. I take the pill and my symptoms get reduced. My headache goes away, whatever. So we get so used to that. Whereas a lot of these types of technologies and these kinds of, you know, natural healing modalities, it just doesn't work that way because the body doesn't, in some cases it does, but most of the time it doesn't, right? Like I can sit on a PMF therapy device or I put a um, infrared healing on my shoulder. I talked about this in one of the previous podcasts where, you know, I tore four ligaments and cartilage in my shoulder. And in less than three months of using a completely holistic approach, went back for follow-up MRI. Well, in three months, not less than three months, just a little bit, like right at the three month mark. Um, most of that was completely healed up. Most of it, there was like a little bit, 10% of a tear, a little bit of bursitis, a little bit of you know, some inflammation, different things, but a lot of it healed in a three month period. Whereas if I went to a surgeon, they were said, Oh, you got to do surgery. You got to repair all this, you know, and then would have had those issues for the rest of my life. But using things like PMF therapy and diet and nutrition and sauna and ice baths and good sleep and Qigong energy healing and um, infrared uh, and red light therapy, you know, I was able to um, able to heal this naturally. And you know, there's so much science that is here that supports these things as well. And they're accessible to us, but it, I had, you know, I wore it every night while I went to sleep, you know? And so it wasn't overnight. It didn't heal overnight. And I still had pain and I was still, you know, in doing physical therapy and things like that, but we kind of just want this magic pill to solve everything now. But those magic pills, remember, they don't solve the underlying root cause. They're going to cause other, um, other uh, uh, symptoms and potentially other long-term health conditions as well. So it's like, we've just have to change our mindset around it, right? That, Oh, it's just going to take some time. I'm going to have to utilize multiple, you know, modalities, which is why, you know, I love the term holistic because it's looking at all aspects of our life and our healing potential. And I'm going to feel amazing from this without all the side effects. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on, I'm on the same page, Nathan. And that's well, you're, well, you're doing this with patients every day in your clinic. So, and seeing amazing results and uh, that's, what's incredible. I like that you, you start with the, the energetic approach and then, and then you're doing muscle testing and then maybe you're doing labs and then what are some other things that you're doing? Yeah. You know, and then we, you know, we put people on their own treatment protocols, right. And that's going to kind of look at all the buckets, but a lot of times the immune system has gotten to a place where, um, you know, essentially, uh, it's, it allows opportunistic infections to thrive. And so we see a lot of like cleanup that we need to do with not only removing toxicants, but also 
um, potentially parasitic infections or, you know, mold or fungi infections or uh, viral or retroviral or Lyme and co-infections, you know, there's some type of, um, you know, work to do there. Um, and then the toxicants, you know, we could talk all day from microplastics to 10G to, you know, heavy metals, you know, to all of it. Um, and then, you know, looking at uh, trauma, you know, I, I definitely give people, you know, some awareness and tools and referrals and things to do there. And then in our office, we have a, a lot of different like things that we kind of put people through the drill. So we, of course, do a lot of lymphatic drainage because the lymph is really the key to uh, opening up, you know, drainage pathways and also getting our immune system back on board. So uh, it's a very fulfilling uh, and rewarding system to treat. So we have equipment called one called the Flopresso, and then we have a really skilled therapist. You know, we have the sauna and the, you know, colonic machines. And then um, I, I also do um, IV therapy and we do a whole host of different IVs. Uh, the cool thing is we can combine some IVs like one um, has intravenous light. So we use different wavelengths of light that we use intravenously with through the Weber technology. And then we can combine it. You know, people might be, you know, on the beamer wearing the, you know, light helmet, um, you know, while they're getting uh, curcumin to vitamin C to methylene blue. I'm super excited. We just got an EBU. Um, and an EBU is extracorporeal blood oxygenation and ozonation. And it's basically a blood. Um, you have access in one outflow on um, basically one blood is going out one uh, tube, one vein, and then going through a filter. Um, and um, then that blood is getting ozonated. And so there's a ton of surface area that is uh, of the blood getting exposed to ozone. Ozone is a very powerful um, immune supportive um, tool. It's three oxygens strung together and it creates an oxidative burst in the body and then breaks down into oxygen. So it's really good for a lot of things. Um, Does that have the UV light on it also? Is that the one that has the light? Um, we have UVBI, um, and then this is different because um, this is just ozone. So it puts ozone in the blood, and then the blood you put back in the body. Yep. Two photonic um, sleeves, so there it's going back through red light. But um, the cool thing is, what's different from the UVBI is the filter. And we need to study a lot what the filter is doing, but we have seen, I referred to uh, my dear friend uh, and colleague, Dr. Yoshi Ram, he really paved the way for EVU and, um, you know, in the last few years, especially to meet the challenging times of, you know, uh, COVID and long haulers, I know it had a huge impact. And so I um, would be referring patients to him and seeing like really great transformation. So we know it can really reduce infl inflammation. We see labs improve. We don't know if the filter is taking anything out yet. It needs to be uh, researched more, but it, it seems to be given them how good people feel. So we're um, getting up um, and running on that. And um, yeah, we do a lot of fun things. Another cool tool that we have is um, called the Sound of Soul. It takes your heart rate variability and converts it to light and sound. And so you're bathing, basically bathing in the music and light of your heart. Um, yeah, that so sounds cool. So you're kind of getting this like auto tune of, you know, your field with the music of your heart. So that can be very expansive and, um, you know, lovely. So, um, so yeah, we, we just, you know, we have our mix of things and, you know, we have all sorts of things in between and have a really wonderful uh, team and people come here from all over and we just, you know, try to do our very best um, to put them on the right uh, healing path. And um, it's really 
um, quite a joy um, to see people get better. Well, you're you're doing unbelievably amazing work. I think what you're doing there is is like what you're doing in your clinic. I think is going to eventually one day, and hopefully sooner than later, become commonplace for you know. Uh, all clinics. I mean, you go to imagine going to urgent care and they're like, you're like, Oh, I feel sick with this bug, whatever. They're like, all right, let's get you on an IV. Let's get you on a vitamin C IV drip and let's get you some red light and let's ozonate your blood and let's clean out your immune system, flush your lymphatic system. And you're like, all right, let's, you know, and you leave feeling really good instead of just giving a bottle of drugs that have side effects, you know, (laughs) like I really, I really, 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 dream and hope and pray that that is going to become commonplace in my lifetime, or at least in my children's lifetime, you know, how amazing would that be? So the fact that you're doing all that there and, and, you know, literally changing and saving people's lives is incredible. So thank you so much. And thanks for this beautiful time together and all your wisdom. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation. I have the same dream and I really enjoyed our time together as well. So thank you. And where's the best uh, place for people to get in touch with you? Oh, thank you. I have a website, drchristineshopner.com. You can find out more about me. And then our clinic is imminencehealth.com in Seattle. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nathan Crane podcast. If you found value in today's podcast, please share it with others, subscribe to catch future episodes, and leave a rating and a review. For more information or to connect with Nathan, check him out online at www.nathancrane.com and follow him on Facebook and YouTube at Nathan Crane. Until next time, this has been the Nathan Crane Podcast.